0: Soft landings, straight lines, and struggles. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you are here. Next hour, we're going to talk about planning stuff, five things you'll encounter in the first 10 years of retirement. Ask Annex is on the way, and we'll be standing straight because we've got a Marine doing it yes, today. Sir. Stick around for that passion assets. We all have them. How do they work into your investment and estate planning? I'll just tell you this. It's more about the estate planning. It's something we do all the time for our clients at Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist is here. Hey. Great to be here. Hey, Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management.
1: Yeah, for sure. An interesting week, folks. And we ended up on Friday pretty flat It was a bit of a slow trading day, as we all know that Monday is Martin Luther King Day. So we really wanted to see how we went into this weekend and if traders really held positions over the weekend. And it's been a good run. We started with earnings season this past week and we saw the financials come out with some reports.
2: Yeah, looking at the financials, it was really a mixed bag. It was almost this tale of two types of financial institutions. Uh, Last year, the big winner in financials was JP Morgan. That actually kind of continued with earnings season when I was listening to the earnings calls uh, pre-market open on Friday, it was fascinating listening to Jamie Dimon and then the CFO talk about the economic outlook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, their results were just very strong, right? Very profitable. I think it was the best one that they've had in like seven years. But the outlook I found to be a little encouraging as well. They were talking about how they're budgeting for an increase in some defaults and delinquencies, but nothing outlandish. So it seems like the consumer is still doing what the consumer does best, which is consume. But then you had those other financials where they're beginning, they're kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, I think that we've heard from like, you know, like
1: Citi, that's
2: one, they're going through a transformation. Transformation
1: and lots of job cuts.
2: Yes, that is one of the things that we've been hearing a little bit more about and we will be very keen to listen in on with earnings calls is how many more companies are going to be announcing job cuts. What we had over the last two years is what economists call labor hoarding. So companies know how hard it was to find talent. And so they would just keep them on, even if they didn't really need them. They would just hope that people would uh, exit either through retirement or through quitting. But now companies are getting a bit more proactive about letting people go. Financials, we even heard from Google and Amazon that they're letting some people go. So
1: we're starting to see some job cuts, folks, and we're going to have to pay attention to that. And let's quickly change gears and talk about inflation. I know we've pounded this topic to death, but what we're seeing right now is very interesting. We saw a CPI report on Thursday in a PPI report on Friday. Let's explain what that means. Yeah,
2: a little mixed messages from those two reports. And inflation, I, I'm not sure if you can ever spend enough time on it because it's just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> and this past week, so CPI, Consumer Price Index, is supposed to be a measure of like the average cost of what people buy. Uh, PPI, Producer Price Index, is basically from the business side as far as what are they getting for what they sell. And so are costs going up? You see that with PPI. Our prices going up for consumers at CPI? CPI And we got mixed messages. CPI was hotter than expected, 0.3% month on month, whereas PPI was less than expected. It was actually negative, negative 0.1%.
1: Which is deflation. It is, exactly. So that's three months in a row, Brian, I think.
2: Yes, it is. Yep, PPI has been negative three months in a row. And for the last year, producer prices are up only 1%, whereas if you look at consumer prices, that's closer to like 3 to 3.5%. And
1: we talk about deflation, and not only here we've watched very closely on this index, but we're also seeing that in China. They've has also had three straight months of deflationary environment.
2: They have, yep, a lot of weak growth in China. Now I do have to say it is still growth. It's just weaker than what a lot of people were expecting. They're probably going to come in in 2023 when they finally report their numbers. They're one of the first ones to report probably around five to five and a half percent growth, but that is very weak for them. That's down from 10 percent just a few years ago. So they've really decelerated their growth rate and consumers just really aren't out there spending like they used to. The government is likely going to have to do something when it comes to stimulus in 2024. And that's
1: it. That's the relevant point, folks. Is what is the Federal Reserve going to do? They are indicating that they're going to lower interest rates as we go through 2024. How often and how dramatic they do that, especially before the election, will tell the tale, folks.
0: Dave Spinos, our president and CEO. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management, put these gentlemen to work and the rest of the team for you for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We always figure we have four or five different types of people listening. Clients, and if that's you, thank you. Do-it-yourselfers, fans of finance in general, and people whose 401ks are managed by Annex Wealth Management. If that's you, think about the whole experience. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Still to come, five things you'll encounter in the first 10 years of retirement. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show for Wild Card Weekend, right back on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. If you came in late, the show's going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Brian Jacobson is here, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. So is Dave Spano, President and CEO.
1: You know, Danny, last year we had the Magnificent Seven, those tech stocks that really led the way. And we thought that there would be a broadening out of the market as we went into 2024, but darn it those <laughs> magnificent seven are popping their heads up again
2: they really are this past week they were some of the top performers it was really impressive and it's you know for a variety of reasons i think that you have some of the names that like nvidia announcing that they're coming out with some innovative new chip for china to avoid some of these uh, restrictions for exporting the technology uh, you also have other companies that are going through some cost cutting remember back I think it was about a year ago, Meta, so Facebook, they said they were going to go through like a year of efficiency. The the 2023 was going to be the year of efficiency, and it it worked. They were able to cut costs. Other companies are beginning to do that, Google, Amazon. Uh, So, yeah, this past week, it's again, we were hoping to see this broadening of the rally, but it is, again, focused on these big tech giants.
1: Not only the big tech giants, but the financials began to report this past week, and it was interesting, not only was the report very interesting, but they also talked about job cuts.
2: Yes. Yeah, the job cuts is, I think, something that we really have to watch is we know the labor market is beginning to cool. Uh, When we look back as far as the December payroll number that came out on around January 5th, that was a lot better than expected. And when we look at the revisions, the revisions have always been negative with this. So they come out with the first report and then they will revise those. We now know that back in October, there were... a net increase of 105,000 jobs, which is about the run rate for the economy to keep up with population growth, change in the labor force and things like that. So we're seeing a bit of a rebound, but it might now take another dip now that some of the bigger companies are announcing some either layoffs or what they would um,
1: affectionately call headcount reduction. It sounds so sterile. We just spoke of technology and financials, but there is a third sector that's certainly getting a lot of attention. That is the energy sector, and that is because what is happening in the Red Sea, and that fighting is really kind of ramping up.
2: It really is, and it was almost this textbook response to the announcement that the United States and the United Kingdom were launching strikes on uh, the Houthis in Yemen. Seventy missiles were fired by the United States and some of their allies into the Houthis. Yeah, it's incredible, just the overwhelming show of force, and now the Houthis is saying that they are going to respond. We'll have to see how that plays out, but you saw oil prices go up. Gold prices also rallied a little bit, but then kind of gave it back. And the market uh, kind of, I don't want to say dismissed it, but oftentimes what has happened, if you look at what happened during previous conflicts, is oftentimes when the missiles start being fired by the United States and its allies, that's when you're closer to the end of it, as opposed to the beginning of it.
1: And you know, I always want want to make a joke about hooties and, of course, the blowfish, but it's a really dramatic situation that is happening right now. The world's on edge, and that is going to be a story as we go into 2024, not only as a geopolitical risk as we set up the year, but domestically, there is a lot of elections not only happening here in the United States, but around the world as well.
2: That's correct. Yeah, a lot of elections going on globally. You could get a lot of changes in regulations. You could get changes in taxes, uh, all sorts of different things, and so we do have to really closely monitor monitor what the outcome of these things will be. Now, I, I love watching politics. I'm a bit of a political junkie. And one of them that I'm really interested in is in Mexico, they're going to be having an election. And right now, it does look like you're going to have some continuity of policy. But what happens then in terms of with the U.S. election and what we know from the last time we had a presidential election is the Mexican peso and the Mexican markets. Those were almost like a thermometer for whether or not president uh, at that point candidate trump was uh, whether or not he was going to win
1: in and, 15 seconds talk about what's happening with the u.s dollar
2: and so the u.s dollar has begun to strengthen a little bit we believe that's actually somewhat temporary as the fed gets closer to cutting rates it's likely to show some weakness but temporarily now the fed's pushing back on all those rate cut expectations you could see a little bit more strength
0: brian jacobson chief economist dave spano our president and ceo Let's meet you where you're at. Annex Comprehensive Wealth is a sweet spot for most of our clients. Annex Private Client, if you've got complex needs and high net worth. If you're just starting out, Annex Ignite, a solid place to start. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click on that Get Started button. You know, it's more than dollars and cents when we put a plan together for our clients. What are five things you'll encounter in the first 10 years of retirement? That's next. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Amy Bremer, a CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. You know, in life, we like to think it's about the journey more than the destination. But with retirement planning, that's the destination. We want it to be what you desire. But you're also smart enough to know that once you pass one finish line, there are other challenges, and there will be challenges in the first 10 years of retirement. And I can all sense the currently retired folks that are listening are nodding in agreement. Amy, you have guided clients to retirement. But at that point, none of us are done.
3: No, retirement's actually kind of the starting line, actually.
0: We're going to talk about challenges you might encounter. One might be managing cash flow. And Amy, some people might say, hey, listen, I did just fine when I was getting a paycheck. What's the difference?
3: Well, you're not getting a paycheck anymore. Right? So you have to replace that paycheck. And you also want to keep in mind that there are some unexpected expenses that will pop up in retirement. Things like roofs need to be replaced, water heaters need to be replaced, maybe you need to get a new car, and healthcare. Healthcare is a huge expense in retirement. So we want to plan for those things ahead of time and manage them. One of the things that I work with families on is something called a sustainable withdrawal amount. That's around 4% of your nesting egg annually. So you want to take that 4% and recreate yourself the paycheck where you are paying yourself.
0: Challenges in the first 10 years of retirement, the second would be balancing growth and income. And again, like you pointed out, you're the paycheck provider now and you're doing that via your savings and your investing.
3: Yeah, this part is huge and it's often overlooked by retirees because they're saying to themselves, okay, I'm not working anymore, I don't have a paycheck, I can't have any stock. And I'm like, well, you got to have stock to grow that portfolio. For your 80th and 87th year, but you need to have some bonds and some cash to fund your lifestyle now. So it's truly a balance between those growth stock investments and those income-producing bond investments. And it's a balance that you want to have. And need. And need. And it's really easy if you're doing it yourself to not do that one the best. So it'd be better to work with a professional like someone from the Annex team.
0: And we know people.
3: We do know people. We
0: do. We're with Amy Bremer, CEP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Challenges you might encounter in the first 10 years of retirement. The third is a big one. We talk about it all the time.
3: How to spend your time. And I'm very passionate about this one, Danny, because a lot of folks, especially Americans, when you go to a cocktail party, the first thing you say, you know, what's your name and what do you do? We define our personal selves by our jobs. And once that goes away, we sometimes lose a sense of self. So I really work with families at practice here in Annex to talk about their hobbies, talk about their children and grandchildren, talk about travel or even starting a business, something that to keep you busy in retirement because retirement's a long time, 20, 30 years for most folks. You want to remember too that retirement is front end loaded where you're going to spend a lot more money and time on those hobbies and traveling, checking off those lists on that bucket list, those items and then after that things kind of wane off if you checked off all your lists.
0: People between 65 and 74 have almost 7 hours of leisure time a day and it's not even leisure if you're really staying busy but yeah, you got to fill yeah. that up. What might you encounter in the first 10 years of retirement, number four, planning for large purchases. You talked a little bit about that earlier. A
3: little bit. Things like cars. Those are big ones. And cars, gosh, cars are so expensive right now. We talked about helping a kid or a grandchild with wedding expenses, things unexpected. How do you plan for that? So it's really important to work with a certified financial planner like someone from the Annex team. We have really sophisticated software that we can run through those scenarios to let you know if what you're considering is feasible. I'll give you a real life example. A current client of mine came to me and said, we want to build a house. Can we do that? Sure enough, we ran through the plan. They had all their details, their building expenses, interest rate expenses for the mortgage. And yeah, they can afford to do it. And they were like, really? Yeah, you can. So there's power in working with a professional to help navigate those large purchases.
0: There's a long list of challenges you might encounter in the first ten years of retirement, and we saved this one for last. And I apologize, mm. managing taxes.
3: Taxes, death, and tax is always so important, right? So there's a few things that you need to consider in retirement. Things like Roth conversions, should you, could you. Another thing to consider is when to start taking social security benefits. That's a really easy one to trip up. So we help families make those decisions. And then the bigger one, too, is when and how to take money out of your IRA and Roth IRA accounts, essentially creating that paycheck for yourself. There's certain things that people who do it on their own get tripped up on. They don't know that Social Security is taxable. And depending on your income from other sources, your combined tax rates between you and your spouse, if you make over $44,000, 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So there's some potholes there that you have to navigate, that's easier to do if you have someone like a certified financial planner on the Annex team.
0: So folks, if you're going to parachute into the wild jungle of retirement without a plan, the chances are you're going to wrestle with these challenges more than you should. Work with a fee-only fiduciary, work with Annex Wealth Management. We'd love to help. Amy Brammer, Wealth Manager and a CFP with Annex Wealth Management. Thank you.
3: Always my pleasure, Danny.
0: Let's talk locations. First off, Elm Grove, our original headquarters, we're going to be there for another week. And then we're moving to Brookfield. If you're a client, we've already reached out to everybody about that. So just keep that in mind. Otherwise, we're in Lake Country, Mequon, Appleton, downtown Milwaukee, right inside the Fister. We're in Madison, Naples, Florida, Libertyville, Illinois, or always as close as your computer at AnnexWealth.com. Bottom of the hour for Saturday the 13th. Let's get caught up. And for that, we go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Time for Ask Annex. As always, get a question for us. You head to our website, look for the Ask tab. In the studio, Kent Helene, an associate wealth manager. Welcome to Ask Annex. Thank you, Danny. And we got Matt Morris, the investment team manager. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. Question number one. Thanks to your advice on the show, I'm investing my HSA. Should it mirror the allocation in the rest of my portfolio, or do I arrange some sort of specialization? My plan is to not use it immediately.
4: Well, first of all, thank you for listening and starting to get invested in that HSA. That's an extremely powerful tool that we have, both from an investment standpoint and from financial planning as well, too. You know, to really give you a real detailed answer, would really love to know a little bit more about what the time frame is on that. And that's something that you know our wealth managers like Cat really could dig into with you in terms of not using it immediately. To me, that means that you've got at least a couple of years, if not maybe twenty or thirty, before you might start pulling funds out of there. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you could really step up the aggressiveness there. But it really really... really does mean a lot in terms of what that time horizon is. Two years is definitely a lot different than 20.
5: From what I've been seeing too, when you're looking at the HSA and the timing or the Roth and the timing, people really like the idea of putting it into different buckets as Mm -hmm. far as the time horizon. Not only does it show that we have a, a plan for the money, but at that point now we're personally catering that investment to you.
0: Next up on Ask Annex, my elderly parents have about $150,000 sitting in a checking account due to the sale of an inherited asset. They've asked me if they should just leave it or do something else. Given their age, I'm not really sure what's the best advice. They've got retirement funds that cover living and medical expenses. I was thinking they should move it to a CD or an HYSA. However, does that make sense for them? Any other options that would be available or should be considered? Leaving the checking seems wrong or vulnerable for fraud or scams.
5: First off, looking at the HYSA, I want to touch on a high-yield savings account just so anybody listening has that context. But talking about what would be comfortable for them and then also looking at the checking and the layer of insulation you have of putting it into a CD or a U.S. Treasury Right now, when you're talking about the U.S. Federal Reserve thinking about lowering those rates at some point in this year, it might be the time to lock in those longer term rates. But really sitting down and finding out what their goals are and what your situation with them is, is really something that you should do.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to cash flow management. Definitely mm-hmm. seems like they have enough money coming in to cover their daily needs, but you still want to have some excess funds in the checking account. From there, you start to spread that out. So high yield savings account, you probably want to have a little bit there, mm-hmm. getting that higher interest rate. But can't, like you said, interest rates probably will be coming down sometime this year. So those rates will come down with it. Mm-hmm. Starting to layer in the CDs, treasuries, and then investing after that and trying to layer layering those areas out. But yeah, from a checking account standpoint, it's really not a great idea to have a large sum of money just sitting there. I'm not an expert on the fraud part of that, but from a standpoint of just trying to maximize the money that you have and be a good steward, you really do want to layer some of those things out there, get a higher yield, maybe even get some growth if you have enough that's going to get stretched out from an investing standpoint.
5: Similar to the HSA question where what's the time horizon of the money and how do we start breaking that mm-hmm. up over the year, two years, three
0: years? What's the time frame? Keeping the theme going with rate cuts on the horizon is now the time to lock in better rates by committing CDs.
4: Yeah, again, it's going to really come down to what your goal is for that money and when you're going to need it. But yeah, certainly a great idea. You know, again, the market's telling us, the Federal Reserve is telling us that they're going to start to come down this year. Mm-hmm. So starting to lock in some of those, whether it's a CD or looking at a treasury, which a lot of times you might be able to get a higher yield with looking at a treasury, if it's money that's in a taxable account, which I would assume based on the question that it is, you might get some tax savings on that as well, too, that would make that even more attractive to you.
5: It has been a popular thing, especially discussing what has happened over the past year two years with the volatility in the market. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of investor fatigue, talking about wanting to lock in those rates now has dramatically increased now that we see the
0: Fed potentially lowering those rates. It's Ask Annex. Final question. I had some extra cash in a high-yield savings account. As CDs mature and rates drop, where would you move this money? My current portfolio, 50% equities, 40% CD, 10% bonds.
4: From here, what I'd like to know is that 40% that's in the CDs right now, where did that come from? Was that all money that was in a check in your savings account or was it previously invested someplace else? The other 50% equities, 10% bonds, was that 40% of your bond portfolio and you were 50-50 mix before? If you were, likely, best places back into fixed income, get you to that true allocation that you really wanted. If it came from equities or if this is too low of a risk tolerance for you and you actually could take 60 or 70% in equities, that's where I would wanna go. Last thing on that, is if you're waiting for rates to drop before you're going to make a change, it likely is too late to make a lot of that those changes. If you think from a bond perspective, bond prices move in inverse to yield. So as yields drop, bond prices go up. So if you're waiting for those yields to come down before you make the move, the price of those bonds is going to go higher and you're actually going to miss out on some of that appreciation there.
5: Yeah. The one thing looking at the 40% CDs and the 10% bonds at that point, now we're talking about in my Eyes, the duration mm-hmm. of saying when do we need the liquidity and how how far are we pushing this duration in that the CDs or the bonds and now the fixed income allocation overall.
0: We're going to talk about passion assets next. Kent, you were marine for 12 years. Do you have like marine stuff that you would consider a passion asset? Very much so. Yeah, so we need plans for things like mm-hmm. that. We got a presentation coming up. We got more details on that. Kent Helene, Associate Wealth Manager. Thanks for joining us. Great to talk to you, Danny. Matt Morris, the Investment Team Manager. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? A car collection, art collection, wine collection, Hummel collection. Okay, maybe not that. But along the way in this thing called life, we collect things that have value that aren't necessarily in the category of investments like stocks, bonds, mutual funds. They are passion assets. And it can be complicated unless you're working with a team who understands passion assets. We have two of our Annex teammates to talk about passion assets and provide details on our upcoming presentation, which will be of great help. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA is here. Hello, Dean. Hello, Danny. And Amy Kiskela, an attorney, CPA, and wealth strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Amy. Hi, Danny. There are stocks, bonds, annuities, and a ton of other investment vehicles, but we're talking about passion assets.
6: What's in that category? Well, typically, these are things that don't pass by beneficiary designation. It's really our stuff, and they might have a valuation to them, like a collection coins, art, jewelry, furniture, guns, antique toys, or, and this is the usual, they may have sentimental value, meaning like letters from our ancestors, for example, passed down in the family.
7: can also include things like digital property and photos and papers that we have, and can even include what Deanna and I consider our favorite passion assets, which is our pets. What
0: makes something a passion asset?
6: Well, it's something with meaning. Now, maybe it is that family heirloom, like that pie plate great grandma then grandma then mom uses every thanksgiving maybe it's a piece of jewelry maybe it's something from your own past an award or special art you bought and maybe it's just something That delights you. But whatever it is, it's something that you wouldn't just toss away on a whim necessarily. And again, it might or might not have monetary value.
0: Deanne, in financial planning, the emphasis is focused on investable assets, right?
6: Yes, usually. Those are things that we want to make sure have those beneficiaries listed on them when applicable.
7: Well, and let's not forget that passion
6: assets can have a
7: financial planning aspect to them as well. They can have significant value. Many times they don't, but sometimes they do, which means that if you're going to give it away, transfer it, death, or sell it, there could be tax consequences to think about. And as Dean mentioned, they often don't have title attached to them, so that can have implications in how assets are transferred.
6: You know, a passion asset could also be a secondary property, like a family cabin that's been passed around for generations, which requires quite a bit more estate planning and preparation.
0: When does the discussion begin when it comes to passion assets?
6: Literally, what to do with all our stuff beyond who gets the car or how do I get rid of all my shoes? (laughs) These would be things that the family, at least someone, would treasure. And so if we feel we're a caretaker to those things, it makes it difficult to get rid of. So usually that discussion should happen typically around stories sooner rather than later. Maybe there's
7: probably a couple of trigger points in life when we really should be talking about it. One is if you're downsizing, great time to go through and and declutter. And when you're doing your estate plan, it can have an impact. And so you should be thinking about and talking about it during your estate planning process.
0: And wouldn't it be better to make this a joyful exercise rather than like kind of a legal thing?
6: If we can, sometimes stuff can feel like a burden though i mean i inherited stuff from three elderly women in my family and there certainly were things amongst all that that i cherished but it is a lot and there's this forbes article that came out a few years ago but it's relevant today your kids don't want your old stuff and that's very true i think my 20 year old daughter would take maybe 10 of the hundreds of items from my house that were passed down from the family
0: have you seen it go the other way?
6: Absolutely
7: have. Uh, you? Know, after mom and dad pass away, I have seen situations where the kids start fighting and disagreeing about how to divide up the things, the passion assets. You know, if you think about a piece of art or a piece of jewelry, it can't easily be divided. And so that can come up with disagreements between the family.
0: And what's fair? There's a huge difference between somebody's 65 Corvette Stingray and a collection of thimbles from around the world.
6: Well, sometimes it's not about money unless they want to sell the objects and there's no personal connection. A lot of times it's about what brings pleasure and happiness and good memories.
7: Yeah, and I think it's important to think about that as a family and particularly for parents if you're thinking about what assets to pass down to which children is if they are of unequal value, are you going to account for that by maybe leaving other assets like cash? Or investments to the other children.
0: If the person has passed, is it too late to arrange equitable distribution?
6: No, but you know, then it comes down to the executor of the estate. And if the person who passed didn't indicate who gets this coveted engagement ring, for example, then the executor needs to figure out a way to make beneficiaries as happy as possible, which sometimes isn't easy.
7: It's not easy. And as an estate planner, that's one of the conversations to have is that it's, it's very typical to build something into the estate plan about how that process is going to work, either naming directly who's going to get what assets or a process for the kids to
6: select assets after death. Fair and equitable are not the same thing. So, you know, we'll hear, I'll hear as a wealth manager, sometimes a client say, I want to treat everybody equally. And sometimes they'll say, well, this person loved this and it may have a greater value, but they'll cherish it. So, it just is very personal decision.
0: Dan, we got a workshop coming up where people can learn a lot more about passion assets. So let's talk about that.
6: Annex's Women and Wealth Group is presenting passion assets on Thursday, January the 18th at 6 p.m., along with a wine tasting, a wine collection, another passion asset, at Ruby Tap in Mequon, 6000 West Mequon Road. You've got to sign up, though, because I, we're getting filled, but there's still some slots left if you go to AnnexWealth.com under the Events tab.
0: It gets down to planning, and that's what we do every single day for clients of Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex. Thank you.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: Amy Kiskala, attorney, CPA, wealth strategist at Annex. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. The show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And really, so much of what we do content-wise, you can find on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. You know, are over 1,500 videos, and we didn't. Buy those things. We produce those things from Annex Wealth Management content because we're always thinking about education at Annex Wealth Management. It's fiduciary advice, it's comprehensive strategies, and it's empowering education. And it all starts at AnnexWealth.com. In the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, President and CEO.
1: Thanks, Danny. You know, Brian, this week, I had a number of phone calls of people saying, where do you think interest rates are going? Because I put a lot of money in money markets, mm-hmm. and it's just sitting there idle. And so that has been a conversation we've had this entire week. It is. And with
2: interest rates where they are now, uh, cash does yield a decent amount. So it's no longer that cash is trash, right. but that's not going to last forever. You know, we believe that the Federal Reserve is going to be cutting rates. The Fed believes that they will be cutting rates. And so those cash yields will likely come down with time. And so what we were encouraging people to do in the last quarter of 2023 was to start locking in those yields. Now, what we've seen with those longer term yields is they already have come down, and that's oftentimes what you see. So if you wait for the Fed to cut and wait for the yield on cash to drop, to kind of get you off the fence, to get into some longer term fixed income, sometimes it's too late. But we're still finding some decent opportunities. The nice thing about the volatility that we're seeing with interest rates is it's created some pockets of opportunity to still put that cash to work.
1: No question about that. And Brian, I'm old enough to remember in the early 1980s when CD rates were double digit. <laughs> and uh, my father said at that point, you know, maybe you should lock it in. I said, I don't want to lock up my money for five years. But that really was the good advice yeah. is to go ahead and grab those rates and lock them up. Alternatively, we talk about opportunities. What we did in a lot of cases is we put money into fixed income. What does that mean to our listeners right now?
2: Sure and really it does depend upon your tax situation and so what we were finding especially with our high net worth individuals is they have to be a little bit more uh, selective about where to put that money because your example of a CD, a certificate of deposit, that's FDIC guaranteed, that's great but the interest income that you get on that that is taxed at the federal and the state level. There can be better opportunities looking at say treasury bills. So still short-term, backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, only taxed at the federal level, not the state. So that can save you some state income taxes if you live in a state there they do have an income tax. Now, there are also, say, with money markets, municipal money market funds. And so what those do is those could be exempt from now the federal income tax. So it's really about trying to find out what is the highest after-tax yield, mixing that with the protection that the individual is looking for.
1: And you and I are going to do a presentation coming up on putting some of that cash to work in, in very soon.
2: Yes, and I'm very excited about that because I think that a lot of people don't know what options are available to them.
1: And
0: that's a webinar too, and that's coming up on the 24th. So if you're listening on the stream, it's at 3 o'clock Central four o'clock Eastern. All of the details at AnnexWealth.com. Just look for the events tab, but cash on the sidelines, how to make it work.
1: And that really is is for everybody because, you know, we have folks that have saved some money and have it on the sidelines and we have very high net worth clients who have put some money on the sidelines because of the uncertainty that they see, but there are opportunities to put that to work.
2: That's correct. And I think that it's really important as far as if you think about cash on the sidelines, how can you make that cash work harder for you in a smart way but then also how is it that you can think about through budgeting and financial planning to maybe get off of the sideline. So it's both about how to get off of the sideline, but then also how to benefit while you stay on the sideline.
1: And really that comes from going through your portfolio and understanding everyone's facts and circumstances. And no one is the same. What I want to end with is, of course, if you go through the process and understand it's not just a snapshot in time, it is really trying to get to your long-term financial goals.
2: It is. And as far as what our approach here is, it starts with planning, right? Let's sit down, understand the client, understand the goals, understand the constraints in the situation, and then we can develop a strategy. And the key thing is a strategy is not static. A strategy needs to adapt to the client's changing situation and to the changing environment as far as whatever the market throws at us.
0: And Dr. Brian Jacobson is our Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management, part of the Investment Committee. In fact, make sure you check out the SWAT podcast, which comes out Monday morning. So we're looking forward to that because there is a lot going on. And Dave, as you said earlier on the show, the world on edge. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to get you through that. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Danny. Folks, um, if that little voice in your head is reminding you of the importance of putting a plan in place for 2024, listen to it. AnnexWealth.com is the place. We're ready as a fee-only fiduciary partner. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Back on the radio next Saturday at 10 a.m. Go Pack Go! This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.